All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Small Talk, Big Ideas, the show where we get into the minds of the most ingenious brands, businesses, and entrepreneurs in Malaysia. My name is Raj. I am a digital strategist with Blank Slate, a digital marketing and creative consulting agency in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. We have, as usual, our main man, Brian, director of Core Studios, uh, full-service production house. And today, our special guest, all the way from Picture It's Eats, we have Kim! Yay, Hello. Kim! Hello! Make it sound like a country. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. No problem. For you guys that do not know what Picture Eats is all about, Kim, please correct me if I'm wrong or if I've misconstrued what your amazing company does. You guys are a food delivery service that stands for refugee empowerment is that correct yep yep definitely awesome so so kim just a a, a bit of it's kind of interesting because when valentina our producer uh, mm. told us that you were joining us on the show today i actually remembered back in university for my social entrepreneurship class i actually uh-huh. did a case study on picture eats which was then known as picture projects so, okay I've heard about about who you guys are for quite some time now and, and the amazing work that you guys do. How, okay. how did Picture Eats come about? What is the story behind the founding of this social enterprise? Um, basically, the three co-founders, myself and my two other friends, uh, we were volunteering in the Refugee Learning Centre and we realised like kids were dropping off education and we wanted to do something to make sure they get into education uh so to ensure that it means that their family has to be sustainable um but refugees are not allowed to work in malaysia so we had to find like different ways or we had to um find alternatives to make sure that they can still earn and send their kids for education so the cooking came by when we saw one of the families were cooking and we thought um if you could sell food homemade by refugees from their authentic traditional recipe from wherever they come from to malaysians then um, they might be able to earn uh, a sustainable living from there and then uh, kids can eventually get back to education. So that's the whole idea about how Picture Eats came about. Right. And, and what is your specific role in the founding team? So what I do is I do business developments and partnerships, um, basically directing the business direction of uh, Picture Eats. Right. Just curious, just curious, like just now you mentioned uh, when refugees are not supposedly allowed to work in Malaysia. Mm, mm. Just to paint a background to the audience, um, what exactly do the refugees do? Uh, I mean, before even before Picha Eats, Picha Project came about. Um, they, they can do like odd jobs or part-time jobs, um, usually mm, washing cars or washing plates or uh, waitressing or in the salon washing hair so very ad hoc stuff um yeah and from from your conversations with them most of them came to malaysia because of uh, because of war or persecution or conflict that's happening back in their country okay mm. right so when you guys first started from a blank slate you knew you had this amazing business idea that was going to help people how how do you even start? Like, where do you even begin growing your business from? Yeah. I, I think the first thing is uh, that our, we didn't 
think that our business idea was amazing at that point. Uh, all we thought was how to, you know, get money when there's no money because like uh, the three of us are students and um, we've not really worked formally outside and um, and there's no money in the fundraising uh, initiatives that we've done. So uh, basically you have to find money out of nowhere. So in order to do that, you have to rely on resources that are already available, be innovative and be creative around it and start working things out. So we started selling um, the food in plastic packaging at that time. We weren't very aware of where to get a proper packaging. And, um, but we just started selling to our friends, our network first. And that's where money rolls in. Um, and that's where we do more and more improving like photography, improving um, packaging, improving service. Um, so it all just started organically when we don't know where to find money. Because you mentioned don't know where to find money, right? So yeah. what was the main reasoning behind building, starting up a social enterprise, knowing that, uh, you know, how people have the, have this perception where social enterprise doesn't really make big bucks, those kind of things. Yep. Um, we, we, we actually run like fundraising concerts for around four years and mm -hmm. it was not very sustainable and it was very uh, draining. Well, coming from a music background, I, I wouldn't want just a fundraising concert where you put different bands together and, and, and just present a concert that way. Um, it really involves a lot of um, uh, planning, involves a lot of uh, telling the story, involves a lot of uh, moving people and how to how to touch them and uh, what's the follow up and aftermath. Um, so that takes a lot of work and um, the work that is being done at the time we're still like student level, so the marketing that we had was very um, amateurish. Um, and so we weren't we weren't raising a lot of money. Um, maybe maybe to people like thirty fifty thousand were to students thirty to fifty thousand were a lot at that time, but um, it honestly it doesn't really sustain long. And so we had to figure out like a business model. Um, and we 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 were attending like a conference called Sahati. It's called SE Social Enterprise and Sahati. Um, uh, means hard. Um, it was organized by Magic, and we we mm. was we were listening to the different social enterprises doing amazing work, impactful work that is driven by a business model in it. And we thought, mm. okay, if they can do it, why can't we do it? And so we immediately try and test it out and experimented it, and we just went on full on after that. What's the background of your co-founder story? Like, like where um, do you come study and so on? So I studied music uh, in uh, university and mm -hmm. uh, Sui Lin studied accounts and finance. Suzanne did psychology. And you all met in uni? Yeah, we're, we came from the same uni. Oh, okay. Interesting. And so for those of you all tuning in right now, just know for a fact, no matter what you studied, if you want to get into social entrepreneurship, you still can. Your background might help you, but it does not define you guys. Like like mm -hmm. Kim, Kim and the co-founding <laughs> team is like a perfect example of that, right? Um, yeah. Okay, Kim. So let's jump back to your journey, right? So you started off the business, uh, reaching out to your network, selling from there, experimenting, trying things out. 
mm-hmm. when did the big jump happen when was the turning point where it started becoming more than just your network and then you started having corporations organizations businesses reaching out to mm. you so right after we graduated we participated in an accelerator program organized by magic it was a four months um kind of like a boot camp or like accelerator program and you mm. learn everything about business 101 inside uh mm. to building a social enterprise measuring impact and understanding how uh marketing works or operation works inside and um that four months really pushed us uh we we got like a basic idea and we just went on knocking on doors cold calling cold emailing people to buy our service and support what we do um there are some initial supporters who actually pushed us and you know they gave feedback and then we worked on it and as you improve your product and as you improve like um the taste and the presentation um if it's a good experience the word of mouth will just travel um it was hard to get our first corporate sales um if in fact our first was actually magic who actually supported us um and then from there people were tasting the food and and more people were buying into the idea and more people were or wanting to support at the first place plus you know um having a solution for uh their event organizing or their uh trainings or meetings uh whenever they have food so we slowly went from within our network to more corporations and companies through that and and this is across a, a span of how many years came from where you guys started up until now uh since 2016 for years for years right And then the reason behind the name change is uh, from uh, Picha Project. Yeah, so we rebranded from the Picha Project to Picha Eats last year um, because of quite a few number of reasons. The first thing is um, when we're named like Project, which I don't um, encourage people to name your name with a project at the end. Like a lot of people like to start with the something project. Um, it just shows that how short term you are. um people will just treat you as a project um i mean we have people coming to us and say oh you're still around i thought you were just temporary um second thing is when it's a project or or when people see it as a charity thing like people wouldn't give you like proper feedbacks um people will just buy from sympathy and people will be like okay it's okay that you know you you didn't do well the first time and um mm. well just for charity anyway they just say things like this and it's not it's not going to um do us good in the long run um in the long if we want to sustain the long run we have to provide value and we have to provide like um good service good food and if we don't then uh people will just buy out of sympathy and how many people can buy out of sympathy um uh third thing i think is to really let people know that we're growing up from being the picture project like from being a kid to uh, at least a university level uh student you know wanting to do really well wanting to um set foot in the food industry and show the people that um refugees uh who are chefs themselves can actually provide good food can actually um compete with some of our culinary chefs and uh that's what we want to uh showcase to people uh do you still find it difficult to like break through all this um so called misconception by the public Uh since we changed to Picha Eats uh it's been very good I think it's a very very positive change people really take us seriously and people give us like feedback seriously so that we can improve 
Um, if you mm-hmm. go to on, uh, if you Google Picha Eats and you go to a Google review, it has been growing tremendously with um, the right words and terms that we want to see, uh, mm-hmm. which is good service, you know, good food, um, and the cost come behind so that people will come back again and people don't buy out of sympathy. Um, the cost is a bonus, but it definitely is a social mission that we have been working on. Okay. Do you mind? Do you mind painting a picture to the audience? Um, like, how is the process of your business in terms of like from choosing the refugees to work with to uh-huh. like even delivering to the food to the customers and yeah. Sure. Um. So it involves um. Uh, mm, it involves like I think around three, three to four sectors. So one is uh, where we have the family management uh, team where they would manage the chefs. Uh, they would find new chefs, um, which we are currently uh, still recruiting new chefs. Uh, they would manage them. Uh, if they have any trouble or if I have any problems, they will go to them first. Um, and then they would manage their food as well, uh, market tests, uh, making sure that uh, their food is, we have to assess their food, uh, basically. Um, and then it goes to the marketing side of things when everything is, uh, you know, onboard them correctly, onboarding uh, smoothly, we, they are ready to uh, showcase their food and their culinary. The marketing team will then work on photography, um, work on uh, telling the stories uh, and, and uh, work on building the social media platform and, and branding. And then after that, uh, when people start ordering, um, the op- there will be the operation team. And the operation team will then manage the orders, uh, inform the chefs on their orders, um, and then arrange the runners, arrange uh, delivery uh, people. And then uh, on the event day itself, then we'll manage the orders. And then uh, we have also the product team will, will then continue to innovate or continue to um, work out different recipes or menus with the family so that they uh, evolve and so that they improve, uh, especially for seasonal products. So quite a few teams working on uh, very specific things. And how many families are you guys currently working with? We have uh, four, I think 14 active chefs right now but we've partnered mm-hmm. with around 25 chefs before some have recycled some has dropped out how, how big is your team right now we have like 12 full-timers right now in terms of branding and marketing because you mentioned the moment you changed the name of the company the perception of the brand immediately changed yeah. as well right so branding and marketing what is your current marketing strategy, if you don't mind sharing, in, in an effort to, to build a bigger customer base and amongst all the different tactics that you guys have been trying, whether it's social mm. media, using Facebook, Instagram, or direct mm. marketing, mm. what has been the most effective for Picture Eats uh, so far? Um, well, I think my marketing person can answer better, but uh, <laughs> the first thing is really word of mouth. Uh, the best marketing is to fix your product. That's the best marketing. If your product is really good, um, you will don't you will not have to spend tremendous budget on marketing because um, ten people use your product, ten people say it's good, 
it will just transfer and it will go to another 10 people and, and it will just multiply. Um, so word of mouth is definitely the number one marketing thing. Um, second thing today, social media is, uh, depending on B2B or B2C, um, on B2B is very much maintaining relationships. And uh, I think in Malaysia, that requires a lot of face-to-face uh, -face meeting, um, a lot of uh, communications, making sure that they still remember you. Um, and a lot of, mm, basically a lot of communications. Uh, but for the B2C front, it's a lot of social media and uh and building the brand. So um, we are across four, four social media platforms, five, sorry, five social media platforms from Facebook to Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Twitter don't really work well for us uh, in Malaysia. Um, TikTok and LinkedIn. Um, so for B2B, we will go on to LinkedIn more. Uh, for B2C, it's very much Instagram and Facebook. Um, but Facebook has been... Um, very bad in organic reach because they want you to pump in more money. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> Instagram, Instagram is still okay. Uh, the best organic reach to reach out is actually LinkedIn and TikTok right now. Um, and but Instagram is more of like you need to have your own voice. If you have your own voice, uh, usually people would really follow you. Um, and those are our tactics on on social media. And then we do newsletters uh, every every week or two weeks once. And third is media features. Uh, so we kind of have like good, we, we try to have good relationship with most of the media outside. And um, they're always, they, they, you have to feed them content. They really want content. And um, if you have something launching, if you have something uh, that you stand for and something you want to tell the public, um, you def can definitely send them a press release. Whether they want to feature or not is up to them, but you're always keeping them in the loop um, so, so that, you know, if it's exciting for them, if they find opportunity, they will always try to um, feature. So that's how we actually go about Oh, that's amazing. That's a very, very well thought out strategy. Um, and, and it's very interesting you mentioned LinkedIn and the organic reach that you get from LinkedIn, right? Uh, yeah. that's, that's a quick tip for anyone who's watching this right now. If you really want to get in touch with the B2B market, LinkedIn is a great place to be. Um, mm -hmm. Kim, what, what, what kind of content do you guys post on LinkedIn? How do you even build relationships on LinkedIn in the first place? Actually, my co-founder is really better on LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, but uh, for... She... So she has like a routine where she would add five people every single day. And when mm. uh, it's just, it's just, it just doesn't take you like one or two minutes and it's just for you to do it consistently. And once you build that network and connection, whatever you post, people will follow. Um, but for me is that I post uh, consistently every single day. And when I post, I have to think of a few things. Uh, uh, first thing is whether I'm giving value to my audience. Or second thing, um, is there any updates of uh, my company? Um, third thing is sometimes it's just, you know, conversations of myself and my team members that would inspire people. So that's what I try to share. Um, as I, I think really try to think how to give value to your audiences. That's actually the most important one. Um, so I have like, uh, we call it like content pillar. Uh, so content pillar um, in my marketing team, there's three content pillar, but in my own LinkedIn post, I would put around um, between eight to 10. Um, so it, it, it goes from like, it goes from things like I want to share about social media or things I want to share about 
uh, team building things I want to share about uh, new product launching. So I will put it down and then um, I would just choose like every single day, like, oh, okay, today I want to talk about social media. And then what about social media? Um, so I also try to list down things that I want to document. So whenever every day that's happening um, that I want to put on LinkedIn and um, I, I can't do it today, I will document it down first. And then every single day I will have ideas and things I want to write about. So th those, those are the things that I worked on. Do you reckon should... Should companies, should uh, founders or co-founders or managers of the company be on LinkedIn and be active on it as well, apart from the company page? Of course. Um, well, personal branding helps your own company's branding, honestly, um, because, well, like it or not, you are the face of the company. I know some founders don't want to be the forefront of the company, uh, which sometimes I'm that way and so I force my not forced lah, but my my team members <laughs> to 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 also post them as well, so people could see them. So it's okay. not just me. When we started using LinkedIn, it has helped us to reach out to so many companies because um, when we add people onto a network, what we do after that uh, is we message them and introduce ourselves, introduce what we do, and if there's like a chance or opportunity for us to have a cup of coffee. Um, or, you know, just introduce what we do to them face-to-face. -face. Uh, usually, people on LinkedIn knows that, knows that it's professional and they're much more open to it. So, uh, they would be very open to us meeting face-to-face. -face. I've met quite a number of people just through LinkedIn. Um, and, and, you know, later on, they become partners and, and people who became our customers as well. Uh, another question. Uh, mm. Do you spend a lot on marketing or, like, if you do, then what's the percentage of your uh, location? Uh, again, my marketing person can uh, oh, okay. reply this better. But I think uh, based on what I've worked out before, uh, I think we spent around 8 to 10, sorry, 10 to 15% of our revenue on marketing. Um, I think if your content is um, valuable and your content speaks something, your organic reach will be higher, which means you don't have to spend too much money on marketing. But again, my marketing person or Suzanne um, uh, will work on effective digital ads. Sometimes it's not about, sometimes it's the pictures, sometimes it's the video, sometimes it's the copywriting. So um, I would say that you still have to experiment them every single day and find what works. And when that one thing works, then you double it down. We are going to trouble you with one last question about marketing, Kim, before we jump onto the next <laughs> no section. No problem. So I guess for a lot of businesses, the first challenge is always acquiring the customer. Yeah. And once that happens, the next hurdle is customer retention. How do you keep them coming back for more? Yep. How, how does Picha Eats deal with this challenge? How do you keep your customers coming back for more? That's where your social media... Well, there's a lot of aspects, of course. Uh, first is your product and your service has to be really good. And naturally, people will just come back. Uh, but second, that's where your your social media uh, platform has to work well, where you engage people every single day. Um, we know that our products is not something that our customers will consume every single day um, because it's Middle Eastern food. It's, um, it's food homemade by refugees um, and... I don't think anyone in Malaysia can eat Middle Eastern food every single day. If you do, just let me know. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll sell it to you every single day. 
Um, but because we know that and we know uh, they don't do it, and so we have to find ways to engage them every single day. That's where content creating is very important, uh, where you speak to your audience when they're not buying from you. So uh, we, that's why we, we put a lot of effort in social media and creating like valuable content from animation to videos to um, animated posters uh, to new product launches to messaging. We, we, con we connect with our audience as much as we can. Um, and engage with them, like reply to their comments and speak to them personally. Sometimes I think my Instagram uh, manager will message people or message them personally just to, you know, have a short chit chat to engage with them. And so um, when, when, when we start doing that, like people will know that you still exist, um, especially if you go to pages that says their last update was 2018 December, and then people will be like, oh, do you still exist? So it's very important to, you know, like at least refresh your social media page like two times a week or a week, three times a week, like minimum. So that people know that you're, you, you still are operating and, and exist because I think it's very important to stand in like the audience's shoes. Like if, if I'm like a normal scroller and I, I want to find a brand and if I go in and I realize that your last post is 2018, very naturally I just think that you're not operating anymore I wouldn't even make the effort to message you and ask are you still operating um, yeah, I wouldn't make that effort and so it's, it's just a very uh, normal mindset of the audience and when we understand that when we, the more we understand the mindset of how our audience are reacting, then the better you can create your content to skew towards. So um, I think very important to understand and uh, talk to the audience that you are engaging with, learn more about them. And that way then you can create things that actually accommodate them. Where do your majority of your orders come from? Like mm. either, either platforms or like, uh, like user groups, like 25 to 30, those kind of things. 70% of our main revenue was catering before this, which is B2B. Um, I mean, before MCO. And of course, in MCO, we won't be able to uh, run caterings and serve the B2B customers. I will answer based on the, the MCO period where uh, we are much more on the B2C front. We, what we did is we usually have like a minimum 10 packs per package uh, kind of a deal. Uh, we brought it out to five packs so that more people can buy. And uh, from there, we posted on social media. And most of our orders, of course, came from social media. Um, and then they go, they go to our website. They can actually order straight from our website and then check out. Um, we're still working on our website, so it's not as smooth. Uh, but we're still learning and, and improving. And I, I think after that, uh, our transactions doubled although our value uh, dropped because we moved from 10 packs to five packs. I, that's where most of the audience came from. Uh, if you want to talk about demographics on Facebook, uh, we know that we're speaking to a bit older kind of people, like between 30 to <laughs> 40 years old. Yeah. Uh, on Instagram, it's 25 to 35. That's our, uh, uh, that's our highest rate, our highest ratio. Um, and we know that most of our audiences are women uh, because they are much more prone to social issues and social impact. Mm. Um, but also women like will go more crazy to food 
than their boyfriends or their spouse. <laughs> um, so that's that's how we understand our audience. Um, and and on on TikTok is a very very different demographic. It's like a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're still learning. We're still learning. Yeah, Kim, that statistic on how a woman are more attended towards food is painfully accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian, you're sick? Uh, so, so you mentioned just now about the MCO situation, right? So yeah. did that situation, of how did that situation affect Picha Eats? Like, was it for the better because of like more delivery orders or was it not so good? Yeah. I would say like in the two months MCO, uh, we did quite, I think the team did an amazing fit in a lot of things. Uh, we doubled out our doubled down our content, um, and we did more transactions. Uh, and we did raise funds for people who are in need at that time. So we enable refugees to cook, and then we would send to frontliners and people who are in need. So those few things has actually helped us to get through this uh storm for the past two months. But this month, uh, it has been very slow. I think because, um, so we went from a catering business to a more food delivery, full-fledged business, right? And so uh, right now, when MCO starts to uh, recover, people start to recover, people are starting to go out. They're not mm -hmm. so much at home. So the thing changes again. So then our messaging needs to change again. Our product probably needs to change again. Um, but essentially, we're selling food and it's just tools and ways of selling that's going to be different. But what we're selling is going to be the same. So, so you mentioned about change, right? Yeah. So since, since 2016, yeah. uh, uh, do you see Picha is being where you are right now? And like what, what didn't happen initially, what you planned for? And what happened for the better? Um, I would say like for the first two to three years we didn't plan so far ahead mm -hmm. like first two years you probably are testing water like whether this will work or not whether this will be a full time or not um mm -hmm. but going into third year like things start to solidify and things start to sh look like you know it will um grow and we didn't have really great ambitions when we were at the first two years i think the first two years was just like let's just survive this uh, we were profitable, but uh, we were just we, we didn't invest a lot into human resource because it was just like the three to five of us. I think it was just the three of us, four sorry four of us relying on few interns and part timers. Today, with a bigger team, means you have to uh, convey your message much clearer, uh, especially your vision and mission. And so uh, right now. Especially after MCO, I think we have bigger dreams than before. I, I think it's a really plus point. Um, I, 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 I know I saw like some posts saying like, you know how Jack Ma from Alibaba was saying like, this is the time where you have to survive, not dream. Um, but I, I guess we were defying all odds. Uh, I think this is the best time to dream because um, everything comes to the same leverage as other people. Like the big businesses, you know, they shrink and the small businesses, uh, their competitive advantage will then catch up on the big businesses. So everything just goes down to uh, ground zero and you're starting all at the same point. And it, this means that you can fight, you have a better chance in fighting, especially if you're a small business or an SME. It's, it's the best time to be dreaming bigger and humans recover really fast, economy will recover fast. 
so just leverage on that and and quickly grow what you need to grow. I I I would think that um this change is tremendous, but it's very positive for us. So uh, Kim, let's talk about your team. So right, I think you mentioned previously you have twelve full timers right now. Yeah. And and so from from these twelve people that are part of your team. Uh, mm. what, what what's the breakdown? How many of them are responsible for the food, the distribution, and marketing, and so on? Okay, uh, we have uh, around two people working on uh, managing the chefs uh, or recruiting new chefs, and then we have around I think around three to four people working on marketing. Uh, or we have two internal chefs uh, to develop new recipes, teach the uh, teach the uh, chefs from the refugee community, uh, new recipes, trainings, and uh, innovate new products as well. Um, and then we have, wait, uh, how many more? We have two more people on operations, um, and I think one or two more on partnerships. So when it comes to the hiring process, of course, for these individual job roles, the technical yeah. ability of a person is one of the things that you have to look at to make sure they'll yeah. be able to do their job, right? But, but yeah. as an employer, what else do you look for in a person when you are considering adding them to your team? We really, I really don't care about skills and uh, um, ability. I, I more, more, what more I care about is passion and determination because you, when you come into a social enterprise, you have to learn from ground zero, like seriously, because what we're doing is not, it's not normal for a lot of companies. It's really not normal for a company to think about social agenda with a business model. And if you don't come in with a mind to learn or to read, there's a reset button, um, then most likely you'll be coming in suffering because then you'll be like, oh, why can't we do more social? And then you'll be like, oh, then how do we sustain? And then you'll be thinking about whether you have career advancement. And then you'll be thinking if Picha will grow. Um, so you have to come in with lots of will to uh, and determination to to strive on. And if you are not learning, we always tell um, our colleagues and team members like if you're not learning in Picha every single day, then you're not growing. Then you know at one point um, you won't be able to catch up. You it, because every single day um, we come up with new things, we launch new stuff. Um, we have new initiatives. Uh, we we learn new things that we can manage operations better. We every single day. And and if you're not coming in with an open mindset and ready to 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 learn, then um, most likely you won't be able to survive in the company. It's like I think I wrote like two blogs about four things you shouldn't four four reasons you shouldn't join feature and four reasons you should join feature. And in the four reasons you shouldn't join feature, one of it is uh, don't join Picha, especially people who join Picha to look for a meaning <laughs> in life because um, a lot of them will, especially when we come to like 30 to 40 years old, then some of them will be like midlife crisis. Uh, they'll be like, uh, I've been working in a corporate for so long and I really want to find meaning in life. And if you're joining Picha just to find meaning in life, um, Honestly, you won't find any meaning in life here. <laughs> it, because if you're finding meaning in life, sometimes uh, it is very, very brutally hard. 
and I, I, yeah, I can't give you a comfortable environment to find meaning in life. And and if meaning in life is your priority, then that means like impacting people won't be your priority. Yeah, I, I um, noticed your your website. You guys have a join us page, right? And you put in yeah. all those different quests and quests. Yeah. Surely, surely you put yeah. that like like reasons not to join teacher, <laughs> which yeah, is pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we try to make our hiring process like a game, uh, but trying yeah. uh. <laughs> Okay, yeah, pretty pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. <laughs> call my, call my, call my attention. Also. Okay. <laughs> um, be, besides your website, what other platforms do you all use to, to aid the recruitment process? Uh, LinkedIn. So uh, LinkedIn, what we do is on every team member's profile, they have to kind of like share a bit about Picha's philosophy or Picha's, um, how do we interact in, in Picha. Um, we sometimes do like LinkedIn challenge. Uh, so we get like, uh, the challenge will be who increases their profile views like higher in a span of maybe like four weeks. So the whole idea is that you can either add people, more people into your network or you can either write really great content that, you know, boost up your, your uh, profile views. And at the end of the month uh, or at the end of the challenge, it, whoever that uh, contends the other one and whoever has the lower uh, uh, views will then have to do something for the other person. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's a very nice boost uh, where you see like how the team members try and um, find ways to uh, boost out their profile views. Um, and so they would, uh, we would try and use that LinkedIn. I think the whole idea was uh, before people come in, people have to see what's happening with the team members, um, like whether they're happy, whether they're, they, they, they learn something, whether what they're sharing is valuable. Um, the more they see it, then the more they, you create like this uh, brand where Picha, you know, actually this is how Picha is like, uh, this is how it, it is like in Picha. And so that's how we try and aid the recruitment process. Um, second thing is what we do is we go to university talks uh, a lot. Before MCO, we talk a lot in universities. Um, and we will always let people know that we're open for opportunities and, and intern uh, opportunities. If anyone wants to come, then they can join us. So here's a random question that I'm curious. Uh, yeah. Before we move on. Um, how often do you and your team consume your own product? Every day. <laughs> um, so we so we have like an internal chef. Uh, yeah. So there's a few few things that cause us to be consuming almost every single day. One is market test from the chefs. Okay. So they they have if you're a new chef, we have to do market test, and the market test does involve the team eating and evaluating. <laughs> and then second is um, if the if the sometimes we spot check on the chefs' uh, food. So if they are preparing for uh, maybe 20 packs, we will add like additional one packs. We will pay for it and it, they will, it will deliver to our office and someone has to test, test it and evaluate it uh, as well. Um, the third thing is our internal chefs are always innovating every single day. So every single day you have new products to eat, but whether it's good or bad, also you have to eat it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then the fourth one is um, because we partner with quite a number of uh, food companies um, so they, they sometimes would send stuff over and we will see how we can uh, collaborate so we have to eat them as well uh, 
recently we've launched like a new sector called the ready to eat meals. Uh, so sometimes you have to buy your own meals to feel the whole experience of uh, the service and the price, whether it's worth it, whether the whole process opening and things like that, how presenting, uh, how how presentable it looks like to tasting it and uh, whether the fork and spoon nice or not. Sometimes you have to feel the whole thing. And so we, we sometimes buy our own products just to feel it. Uh, so yeah, we almost eat every single day. <laughs> Interesting. As a social enterprise, how do you balance between like profitability and also mission for like societal betterment? Yeah. You see, I nod my head before you finish the yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> so many people asked about it. Um, but it's a good question for any social enterprise. I think uh, the first thing we, um, I think it's a balance. Sometimes you spend, it, there's many, many ways to balance, right? Sometimes you spend six months focusing on social impact and the next six months focusing on profitability uh, or whether three months, uh, a quarter, in cycle it depends on you um but i always tell people to focus on business first um focus on business focus on making sure your business model works because if your business model don't work there's no point creating a social enterprise and say that you want to impact communities because in the end it might turn out to be just a charity and charity are short term um you have to think long term but um we do have mentors or advisors sometimes that come in and poke us and say, hey, you know, don't forget about your social impact. And then we have some mentors, hey, you don't forget about your business opportunities. Um, so do have like mentors who can keep you in check because you're not God. And you, you can't, you can't, mm, well, we're just humans, you know, we have, we have, um, we do mistakes, uh, we have our flaws. Um, I wouldn't say we, Picha is the best in balancing both sides as well. We're still learning every single day. Um, you could also balance it out uh, in your team. So we have like probably 40% of people working on social, 60% working on profit. And then you might want to balance it out 50-50 sometimes, depending on the projects that you're doing as well. So there are many ways to actually balance whether it's money um uh the team your the time resources that you're putting in your investment as well um because you have to take care of your team members also um you have to remember that you have to pay people to yep. work especially in malaysia <laughs> so sorry yep. to say that <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Maybe MCO was a bit better, but we know everyone was very lovely, generous, ge generous <laughs> and kind. But um, honestly, in an Asia context, if you're not earning money, uh, naturally your parents will really kick you out of the house. Uh, so, so it's very natural for Asians to always think that I have to work for money first, right? So if any, if you can't settle your the financial part of things for your team members then no one will work for you and then you can't scale. You will always be that three co-founder who probably only help like 10 chefs and yeah, that, that's, that's, I'll serve like just 100 companies. That will always be the story. But you want to grow, you have to be able to pay people and, and, and business has to come first. Financial has to come first if you want to pay people. 
Um, so I would tell people to focus on business first uh, and get mentors to be in check on the social impact side of things for you as well. Amazing. Kim, what's next? What's, what's next, next for the company? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things. Uh, I think MCO has uh, forced us to relook into what we can do and the ability that we have. Uh, so we eventually we created like uh, a few product lines from feature out of MCO. Uh, we've also uh, created two companies, new companies out of uh, MCO. So one is called Zucchini and Co. Because uh, it's actually a content creating company, um, or we just call it like a agency uh, for now. Uh, so in the span of less than two months, we've been able to acquire our 10, 10 customers uh, to be working with us on content creating for their social media platforms or their rebranding, uh, which I think the team did really great on this. And I think uh, they want to continue to grow this and definitely have a social impact in it um, mm -hmm. to probably empower uh, the marginalized community into getting into the gig economy or like design and things like this. Um, and then we had like another company called MATLAB Pantry. MATLAB Pantry is where we uh, utilize our internal chef's resources uh, because they can't, they can't cook that much during MCO. There's nothing much uh, going on uh, for them, but the chefs, yes. Uh, the, refugee, uh, the chefs from the refugee community, yes. Um, but the internal chefs, uh, they are experimenting every single day. So might as well take the exper experimentation to present it to audiences. Uh, so we started doing like crazy um, culinary uh, skills or culinary products. Um, so we, I, I think one of our chefs came up with a pulut hitam creme brulee. Um, <laughs> it's really, really, really good. Oh. I, I, I just kept eating it. Well, fortunately, <laughs> we get to eat all the time. Uh, so uh, it was really good. And we started selling on Instagram as well, uh, testing things out. Um, and then the ready-to-eat meals uh, is something, it's a new product line that came out of Feature. So I think in the next, we actually set foot um, and we think that our impact can grow more if these uh, ventures continue to grow. Uh, we want to be able to impact a thousand lives by uh, 2025. Uh, so a thousand lives across uh, all the companies and the service that we're providing. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of things going on and we want to hopefully grow faster. Sounds very exciting. Yeah, sounds stressful too. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Kim, thank you so much for joining us on Small Talk, Big Ideas. Uh, no for those of you all watching right now, www.picheats.com. Go on over there right now. Order something for your family. Give them a try. Let's just run through the menu real quick. Look at that. Wow. Keluak lamb with pisang tando. Hebas Palestinian set. There's a lot of amazing food here that you guys can order for your family. Kim, if they yeah. want to follow you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Where do they go exactly? Um, either find Picha Eats uh, or find my name, uh, L-I-M-Y-U-E-T-K-I-M, Lin Yuet Kim. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to help you out with your team's LinkedIn challenge. <laughs> okay, let me win. Thank you. <laughs> Once again, Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for sharing thank your you. knowledge and your experience with everybody watching okay. the show today. Uh, we'll you. see you soon. Okay. And for those of you all on the show, thank you so much for watching Small Talk Big Ideas. If you guys have any questions, let us know in the comment section below and we will catch you guys in the next 
episode. My name is Raj signing out. Brian and Kim. See you guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.